listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 16th of August, 2021. We're actually going to take an extended edition today because we've got three big CEO interviews with profit numbers coming out today, plus some major news to come from BHP. But first, let's start with the company that has spun out of BHP back in 2002, and that is Blue Scope Steel. Blue Scope saw fully profit up to $1.19 billion and it's showering shareholders with cash, a final dividend of 25 cents per share and a special dividend of 19 cents per share. And in addition to that, it will place an on-market buyback of half a billion dollars. It has benefited from a huge spike in steel prices, particularly from North America. And for more, I spoke with its CEO, Mark Vassella, earlier today. Mark, just how big are the opportunities being presented in the US right now, given its economic reopening and that huge trillion US dollar infrastructure bill passed by the Senate last week? Uh, yes, Ricardo. I mean, the US economy bounced bounced back much faster from COVID than any of us expected. And the infrastructure spend, uh, the renewable energy spend, the stimulus packages augur very, very well for steel manufacturing and steel producers in North America. Of course, we're coming to the end of our upgrade of the North Star Mini Mill, which gives us another 850,000 tonnes of capacity. So we're, we're very, uh, very encouraged by the US economy at the moment. So what will it mean for steel prices and how will it benefit Blue Scope? Steel prices have been very strong over the last 12 months. They're currently at unprecedented levels and that's a combination of the strong demand. It's a combination of consolidation of supply. Uh, we, being a manufacturer and in the process of expanding, are going to be able to take advantage of that. So our, our outlook for the next six months is very strong in North America. Australia's international borders are still closed. We're dealing with ongoing lockdowns and a slow vaccination rollout. Given you've got operations in 18 countries, has that hindered our international competitiveness or potential in the global economy? I don't think it's hindered our potential or international position, Ricardo. What we've seen in Australia with the borders closed is uh, quite a large amount of money being spent inside the economy that typically would have gone offshore with overseas travel and the like. So demand, particularly in building construction, which is a space for Bluescope's products and where, where we play well, demand for building and construction over the last 12 months has been very strong. Now, your results mean you'll be able to accelerate your strategic growth plans. What exactly does that mean? What it means is we can underpin the future growth of the company. So we will require more capacity in the Australian market. We're currently looking at adding additional metal coating capacity. We're building our business in North America in terms of the properties development group. Uh, but also we're underpinning the Blast Furnace reline at the Port Kembla Steelworks, which will give us another campaign life for the Blast Furnace as efficiently from a greenhouse gas position as we can. Today we announced a very exciting day for the company. Today we announced a net zero 2050 target. So the, the money that we're making now is money that we're going to be able to invest in our growth, but also our sustainability for the future. And you've got around 14,000 workers across the world. Many of them can't work from home. So what's your vaccination policy, especially for those employees, and will you be making it mandatory? The vaccination policy that we're pursuing right now is trying to encourage our employees to get vaccinated as soon as they can. You're correct, many of our employees can't work from home, so they've been dealing with lockdowns 
uh, and have been uh, getting vaccinations, which are fantastic. Uh, we haven't taken a position on mandatory vaccinations. From my perspective, I think that's something that needs to be led by the health officials and we will meet the health orders that are put in place. But we are strongly encouraging our people to get vaccinated so we can get back to some sort of normal life and our people can be safe and our businesses can continue to operate. Mark Vassella there, the CEO of Blue Scope Steel. Now let's go to Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, which has a pulse on Victoria and the regional economies around Australia. Statutory cash earnings up 51.5% for the year for $157 million cash earnings. Earlier I spoke with its CEO, Marnie Baker. Money residential lending is around three times system growth. Deposits are up 15%. Customer numbers up 9%. How much of this comes at the expense of the big four banks? Our market share is increasing as a result of that. And, you know, in the pack that we put out today, you'll see that there has been a reduction in the uh, market share of the combined uh, major banks. So, yes, you know, a lot of that is coming from, from that, uh, that, that part of the industry. Still, shares have taken a, a fair bit of a whack today. Margin pressures and rising costs I see are in focus by analysts. What does this mean about the future growth for the bank? Yeah, there has been a, you know, a focus on margins and rightfully so. We're in a very low uh, interest rate environment and there is some headwinds that come with that, um, especially as we're seeing you know, customers um, uh, change their, their loans or opting to take fixed rates rather than variable rates, which is a, you know, a great thing for customers to be able to do in such a low interest rate environment, but it actually does have an impact on the margin. But there also is... Uh, tailwinds as well. You know, we have always been um, a really strong customer-funded uh, uh, organisation or, or bank, uh, and that continues to be the case. And so those lower-cost deposits and, of course, the term funding facility um, as, as well will also help to offset some of those uh, headwinds that we are seeing. But, I, I, you know, I would like to also say that, um, you know, our total income was up 4.5%. Uh, for the year uh, and our costs were relatively flat at 0.6%. We're hearing a lot about digital strategies at Australian banks, development of apps, interest in buy now, pay later, startup acquisitions. What are your plans in this space? Well, um, you heard the announcement today that we're acquiring uh, the Melbourne-based FinTech Ferocia, who, a partner of ours who we've partnered with for the last uh, nine or so years. So we, you know, we have a number of partnerships or investments um, uh, in the fintech uh, sector um, because we truly believe in it. Um, there's been some, uh, you know, some great uplift, I think, in customer experience that's come from some of these new entrants that have, have come in. With your exposure to regional Australia, I'd love to get your insight into how that part of the economy is doing. I mean, Melbourne today extended its lockdown for another two weeks. Based on what you're seeing in your books when it comes to, I guess, some um, home loan deferrals or business loans and the like, how is regional Australia coping financially? In regional Australia, um, you know, things like, and especially in Bendigo is a really good example, my hometown of Bendigo where I live, um, I think those, especially those regional cities that are, you know, within two hours of the capital cities are really, um, you know, are booming in some sense from a property, um, a residential property perspective. You cannot develop enough land for the demand that's there for for, for homes uh, in regional uh, in regional cities and in regional Australia. What about when it comes to sentiment, though? Regional people are a resilient bunch. Um, 
look, it, it, it is tough. Uh, it's it, it's tough for everyone. Um, you know, I think some industries are doing better than other industries. I think those that have been adapt, being able to adapt to the online and the click and collect and those sort of things are, you know, are, are keeping their businesses sort of uh, going. Uh, other industries, you know, are, are struggling more. But, you know, regional Australia is, they, they are very resilient people. Um, we will see some businesses not survive. Uh, you know, this will be the, the the last nail in the coffin for some businesses. But like I said earlier, a lot of the businesses have adapted over this time. And, you know, and, and some businesses will come out even stronger uh, through this period of time because of the things that they've the things that they've changed within their own uh, their own businesses. What is your vaccination policy at the bank, especially for your frontline workers? Uh, you know, people at branches, for example. Will it be mandatory? Will there be incentives? Yeah, we don't. Uh, we haven't mandated uh, vaccinations, although we strongly encourage our staff not only for their own health um, uh, and well-being, um, but also, of course, for our customers. We are an essential service. Uh, and we need to be protect, protecting uh, the community as well as protecting our own staff. So we do, we do provide uh, time off to be able to go and get vaccinated. We support our staff to do so because you know it's going to take all of us, or you know, um, coming together and to get vaccinated to be able to, uh, like I said before, open back up. Marnie Baker there, the CEO of Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. To the Australian share market now, which did fall today, the S&P ASX 200 down 0.6% to 7,582. The miners and energy players uh, led the declines, and that's despite some big news coming out of BHP and Woodside, which I discussed earlier with Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Julia, the market's down today. Why? We're seeing the Australian share market taking a step back, and that's because of the two biggest areas on our market. That's the miners as well as the banks. In particular, the energy sector has come under pressure. It's down by about 3% after Woodside Petroleum has taken a tumble. And with Bendigo Adelaide shares down as much as 10% during the session, the banking space also coming under pressure. Okay, a huge potential story if it actually comes off. BHP has confirmed it is in talks with Woodside about a potential merger of its oil and gas assets. How significant would a deal like this actually be? Although it's being touted as a merger, it's really a sale of the oil and gas assets and it would be a swap for Woodside Petroleum shares. This would really give BHP Billiton uh, some green credentials. We know that environmental, social governance issues, these are things that are uh, impacting on where money flows, whether it's from governments, institutions, or even from individuals, and getting rid of not only its coal assets, but also its oil and gas assets would make it a much greener and investable company. There are other takeovers in focus today? We've seen the consortium, which originally bid for Sydney Airports, come back for another nibble, increasing its offer. But Sydney Airports has very firmly rejected the offer very quickly. But also A2 Milk in focus. It shares up in the double digits on speculation that Nestle could be sniffing around, especially given that its share price has halved in the last 52 weeks. And the other interesting profit today, JB Hi-Fi, to what extent is it still benefiting from this stay and work from home movement? 
Ricardo, there's not a lot we can spend our money on at the moment. We can't spend it on overseas holidays. So people are spending it on things like cars as well as working from home. And JB Hi-Fi's results shows that although we did see same-store sales down 15% from a year ago, if you compare it to two years ago where we were COVID-free, it's actually still up by 19%, which shows that we are still seeing elevated spending due to COVID-19. We've also heard from car sales today, and we know that lots of people have been buying new cars. And car sales not only uh, is responsible for car sales here in Australia through its carsales.com.au, but also in South Korea, and it also has an international presence. Both JB Hi-Fi as well as car sales have benefited from the COVID-19 pandemic, and both shares are trading up today. Julia Lee there from Berman Invest. And speaking of car sales, car prices, used car prices are likely to main, remain elevated. And uh, that's because of uh, an issue with supply. And it comes as the guys over at carsales.com saw a 9% increase in full year numbers. For more, I spoke with its CEO, Cameron McIntyre. What kind of impact are these ongoing lockdowns having on your business? Yeah, look, what, what we tend to see and what we have seen since uh, since March last year when when the pandemic commenced, you tend to find when, when retail has to shut down uh, because of a lockdown, uh, we see a couple of things. So the first thing we see is consumer demand for buying new anything comes off uh, and consumers that are looking to sell uh, their cars, et cetera, um, they can't get out and photograph their cars. They, they can't have people come around to their, their homes um, to, to look to buy cars. So that activity all, all falls away. Traffic to the site continues to remain robust. So intent remains. Um, and then what happens post the lockdown, when the lockdown comes off, we actually see uh, um, a pretty strong kickback in terms of activity. So those consumers come out, they get, they, they get back into the the buying and selling process that they'd, they'd perhaps thought about um, during or before the lockdown. So we do tend to see a bounce back and that bounce back can take some time, but um, but that has been the, the case in, in every one of the lockdowns that we've seen so far. I guess our car sales is predominantly a digital business. During the pandemic, we saw a speed up of digital uptake within many industries, right? Whether it's retail um, or that sort of thing. But for your particular business, what has it done to digitization? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. I mean, people, uh, when it comes to buying cars, um, the vast majority of people uh, still still want to be able to uh, test drive and, and touch and feel the car they're looking to buy. And if you if you think about it in terms of the context of a of an investment that someone makes in a car. Um, it's the second largest investment someone will generally make in their lifetime. So you know, those 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 habits, though they are, they are changing. And you know, our research suggests that people are over time becoming more comfortable and confident in terms of transacting and car buying um, over time in, a, in an online environment. But there are things that have to be addressed. So people have to be confident around the quality of the car. They have to be confident around the price. Um, they have to be confident around um, uh, you know, being able to get the car delivered and all those sorts of things. So consumer expectations are changing as a result of, of the, pan, the pandemic that we've seen, um, and those habits will continue to evolve. On the, on, the, on the trade side, the dealer side, 
you know, dealers have done um, done great things in terms of you know organising themselves into click and collect and and those things. We've we've tried to support them around um, communicating to consumers that the cars that they're selling have been sanitised and so on. But um, yeah, it, 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 these sorts of things do take time, uh, and and the market is evolving. Can we talk used car prices? At one point, I think uh, Moody's Analytics said they they rose 60% year on year earlier in the year and they've started to come down. Based on what you're seeing on your website, where are used car prices going and, and what about the supply side? Yeah, a, a great, great question. Um, look, I mean, used car prices have abs- absolutely gone up over the last 12 months or, or more. Um and you know, we see the market in two two ways. We see the, the market in terms of the trade side of the market and the private side of the market. Um, both have have accelerated. I think what we're still seeing is we're still seeing the private market um, prices are still increasing in that private market. And it depends on the on the make and model of the vehicle that you're looking at. But sixty you percent know, uh, price rises are not outside the realms of, of possibility with some particular um, makes and makes and models. Um, and that's obviously um, been been a, f- a factor of supply. And as you mentioned, you know, supply has been has been a challenge, and, and not just in cars. I mean, you know, we're in caravans and motorcycles and boats, and and everything uh, is a challenge. And you know, I was talking to someone in the United States uh, last week, and they were saying a lot of caravan producers have a lot of vans in stock, but they can't finish them because they're missing components. And it's the same with cars. You know, a lot of manufacturers. Have have actually been able to build cars, but they can't finish them because they're they're waiting on on chip deliveries. So I mean, all these factors have created a supply squeeze, and we don't see the supply squeeze getting much much better uh, this this side of this year. And it's probably into mid next year before things start to start to improve. So that will keep, I suspect, prices on on used anything at uh, at pretty high levels. Cameron McIntyre, there, the CEO of CarSales.com.au. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.